0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Thinking that equanimity is something that um, we could just, as soon as we just learn the right things, then we could just have that for ourselves. But instead, I think whether we consider that equanimity, is as a capstone, or whether it's part of a mandala, it's really integrated with our practice, with our practice as a whole, our Buddhist practice, whether it's meditation or um, some of that way we show up in the world, some of the ethics or some of the um, ways in which we might study and practice and combine them as all the different ways in which there might be a Buddhist practice Equanimity is uh, integrated with all of them. And maybe we can consider it as part of uh, a um, a growing, a flowering, uh, blossoming of these practices that help create the conditions in which there can be some greater ease and spaciousness, which of course can um, lead to some letting go, some ending of some grabbing, and instead can, so more and more letting go, that of course leads to more and more freedom. Which of course leads to more letting go, which can lead to the greatest freedom. The biggest, the highest happiness, if you will, all the way to awakening. So in this way, um, equanimity is really an integral part of our practice and a way that. Um, we can both infuse everything we do as well as can be a way in which what we're doing flowers and allows the equity to show forth. So maybe um, I will open it up and see if some of my co-teachers here has something that they would like to say if, before we open it up a little bit more broadly, if they have some comments uh, that they'd like to add here. Well, I I will say this, uh, that unfortunately, I'm going to have to go right now. But I feel um, just this uh, three classes, a deep sense of gratitude for your practice and your study, what an inspiring gesture for the world. And so may this bring much benefit to all of us and to the people around us and all beings. So, well, I'm going to have to bow
1: out a little early today.
2: Thank you, Ying. Thank you,
3: I don't think there's much to add to Diana's wonderful summary. Maybe just to say that um, we see the boundlessness of equanimity, it's useful in so many different ways. It comes about through so many different practices. This is a quality of its boundless nature, its ability to be relevant in all situations in some way. So I hope it will continue to infuse um, your life as you go forward.
2: So many lovely words. I'm not going to try to better my colleagues there, Ying, Kim, Diana. Very nice kind of wrapping, bringing, tying various uh, threads together. Why don't we turn um, to questions? We've, we've left ample time here for some questions, some comments, some exchange. And uh, yeah, what's coming up for people at the end of these three classes, these three sort of different entries and entry points into um, recognizing, cultivating, leaning in toward equanimity in our practices. And again, feel free to raise a hand, raise a blue hand or just uh, unmute and uh, share. I see Lori here.
4: Um we've been discussing equanimity as the capstone, which I looked up and it says crowning achievement. And we've been talking about equanimity as kind of glorified, like how we do about enlightenment <clears throat> a lot of times. Um just some exalted state. But what about, and, and in the models we've looked at, everything leads to equanimity. But what about just moments of equanimity that come and go? What's their place in the scheme of things? Is, is this truly a taste of equanimity? Um or freedom even, like moments of awakening? Or are these just kind of um, teasers that um, aren't the real thing?
2: Thank you, Laurie. What a beautiful question. Really appreciate that question. You know, it's interesting and sort of a reflection on our teaching that it may seem as if we've Uh, sort of placed equanimity on a pedestal. And in a way, the graphic representation maybe implies that or reinforces that idea. And I don't know, in fact, I think I can say that that really hasn't been our intention. Nor is it really, as we've seen in the text, the way it arises in the texts. Um, there isn't any uh I think I think the texts are just as relevant to any moment of equanimity, any, any moment of peace, any moment of freedom, as they are to um sort of a, a path that culminates in something like equanimity or being more awake. So I think the the moments you point toward, yeah, those are moments of of equanimous uh, presence, of places without preference that moves us toward tension in the mind and unskillful action, for example. Um, And certainly in these meditative practices that we've um, sort of worked with in the guideds, uh, we've heard several instructions saying, just notice any little amount of equanimity that's there. Equanimity can be not just at the end of things, but in the thick of things. It can be there when the mind's busy, the heart's tortured, the body's in pain. (laughs) Equanimity is still available, Um, it's, it's, it's how we, how we hold those things. And in Kim's meditation, so lovely, just completed, uh, the way in which we can sort of hold all of experience, the stuff we like, the stuff we don't like, the stuff we're wrapped up in at the moment, the way we hold it is where there's the equanimity. Kim, Diana, any thoughts? That was just me jumping in.
0: Maybe I'll, I'll just add another reason why I uh, appreciate Lori's comment is that sometimes we do tend to dismiss those little moments of contentment, those moments of ease that are arising in our life, but often our mind naturally kind of like goes towards what's difficult, what we think is a problem that we have to miss. So maybe our spending these days thinking about reading, about looking, about equanimity will help us or remind us to just appreciate when those moments do arise. And so we chose as a kind of like a pedagogical tool, as a teaching tool, how to show how equanimity is a capstone. And but that's just, you know, uh a perspective that we chose for this class, but I think it's perfectly as you're, Lori, as you're rightly pointed out, of course, there's equanimity. Just it's infusing all, all activities of our life meditative or other otherwise. And it, this alone, we should underestimate how powerful that can be just to appreciate when it does arise, just, spontaneously and maybe one way to appreciate quote-unquote is to kind of like just check in oh I think this is equanimity feels like equanimity and maybe just tune in to how does this feel in the body how does this feel in the mind and as the body and the mind just get more familiar it just becomes easier and easier to access so rather than trying to make it happen appreciating when it's already happening So it's one way we can practice with it. Thank
2: you. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Other thoughts. I see uh, Chris has raised a blue hand. I want to make sure I haven't missed any physical hand, uh, but I don't see any and I don't see other teachers indicating. So Chris, take it away. I
5: take it away. (laughs) Uh, Lori's question was on my mind too. Certainly. I, as I practiced and practiced and practiced, I keep coming to these sort of exalted states where I really feel the nirvana of it all. I'm samsaring consistently. And then with practice sort of nirvanaing, finding the freedom. Mm-hmm. And there's this drive um, sort of like this pill out there, this sugar pill or the final uh, Diana just said at the end, this final awakening that confuses me. It's, when I, when I start to think in terms of, oh, I'm just got to keep striving here because there is this sort of final exalted state. And that's caused confusion for me throughout my practice, actually. Um, and I let go of it. I've learned to let go of that quickly. And I don't know what my question is there, but um, Diana, could you talk about that a little bit or anyone want to offer that up? Because it's, I'm realizing now equanimity is in my life and as I see it and touch it, it's like, wow, there it is. And there it goes there. Oh, I'm feeling it. So I'm, I'm definitely cultivating it and uh, moving through practice, but yet I don't know. And I'm trying to stick with the state of this is life. This is how it's going to be as opposed to this sort of final exalted state. I guess that's my question.
2: Yeah.
0: Maybe I'll ask Kim. to uh, to bring in her voice on this topic.
3: Okay. Um, Well, just when you mentioned how you were sometimes realizing you needed to look for equanimity, um, I thought of a story that I heard from um, Gil Fronstal, who said that on one of his retreats, he was very interested in the seven factors of awakening. And he kept reporting to the teachers how he was seeing all these factors of awakening. And he was of course, imagining that his mind was going to awaken and he was talking about how he saw this and that, and then there was more of this. And at one interview, the teacher said, I notice you haven't named equanimity yet. (laughs) So somehow he had gotten the other six, but, um, there's a there is this um infusion of of equanimity that comes in, and um yeah it's it's fine to um, have a lot of um ideas and aims and um all this in practice. I think we don't get there without them, and there's also the letting go of them. So I love that you mentioned that when you see these things, you're able to let them go because it's actually the the letting go that is much more related to awakening than any particular state. So it might be interesting. Um, You didn't ask for advice, but uh, since um, I have the floor, (laughs) I'll say that it's useful to, um, when you feel that letting go, something has arisen and you say, oh, I'm going to let go of that one, pay attention for one moment longer to what it feels like uh, with the absence of whatever it was that had arisen. So just notice that absence also.
2: That, that'll be helpful.
6: Thanks.
2: And I, I might just add to that response, uh, just sort of a general comment about this idea of the sort of an ultimate goal versus what's available here uh, now. In all the texts we've read, and I think, I think uh, it's true of many, 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 probably the vast majority of these other texts that come to us, there's no indication that there is anywhere else but here. And today, for example, in the module uh, 119 reading um, this this is a very present practice and it's a very embodied practice it doesn't we don't get to get away from here and this embodied consciousness this is this is where the freedom is happening and your question in a way I would relate back to Lori's yeah that that those moments of equanimity that's there that's there and here um so just those thoughts. Plus, I've got to put in a plug uh, since Kim, neither Kim nor Diana did it for the next class in our study and practice series, in which we'll take a look at the um, Diga Nikaya 16, the, the um, discourse or the sutta in which the Buddha's um, final entrance entrance into sort of a you know a, an ultimate state of nirvana is is talked about. Here's a picture of that above my head. But yeah, tune in, stay tuned. Keep coming back to here. <laughs> okay. Uh f- I see two hands up, a real hand and uh, a blue hand and I'm I'm going to say Jose first just on the off chance that I've missed her hand previously having been having seen the blue hand. So Jose.
3: Oh, thank you. Uh thank you very much. This has been absolutely amazing. And I want to know, how do we know what's coming and when? And how do we hook up? Diana? (laughs) If I I can get
2: hooked on anything. (laughs) Diana.
0: Yes. uh, Thank you. So um, the next offering that we'll be doing will be um, starting on January 30th. I think that's right. I'm looking for Kim. Kim. That's yes. Yes. And, um, And we'll be doing, this will be a four-class series. It's Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, again. So it's just within one week. And right now it's on the IMC calendar. I put just a placeholder on there. We don't have a rich description yet, right? There's four of us. We have to, uh, we'll uh, put together a description and um, get that up there. But um, I'm wondering, is this the question that you're asking? Like, when is it and how do you find out? yeah. Yeah, because I it's, this is the first time it's
3: it's new for me the Sati Center thing, and I don't even remember where I where I found it. So I guess it must have been on the uh, IMC calendar. Oh yeah,
0: so we, we put it on both places for Sati Center and IMC. Sometimes the distinction between these organizations organizations get blurred, um, but um, and we we now I think that we've decided amongst the four of us, that we will send out an email. We don't want to bombard people with emails, but when we have a new thing that we're doing, that we'll send it out to people and just um, to let you know. So, um, and we do have a few things uh, more on the rest of the year, but those aren't on calendars yet. And so we'll be working on uh, getting those on the calendars. So Sati Center website, sati.org, and the IMC website insightmeditationcenter.org specifically the calendars on there you can um, find what we're doing
6: thank you
2: yeah thanks for that question uh, we enjoy this a lot and we love the idea that other people find this uh, supportive of their practice this way of uh, sort of engaging with the with the textual tradition and uh, you know its richness so yeah, we, I like the idea that somebody might become hooked on this. That would pretty much describe us. Fred. Uh,
6: yes. Uh, first, I'd like to thank uh, all three of you, four and the fourth, uh, Ying, uh, for offering this to us. It's just been a wonderful class and I've really enjoyed it. I think I came in uh, maybe with not too many expectations, um, but one of the things I discovered um, is it seems that equanimity is, is present all the time. And if I just settle into it, it's not, it's, it it's feels like it's both arising and me settling sure. into it. Um, and I found that to be a, a, a wonderful experience um, because it gave me an easy path. I didn't have to rise to some occasion. I could just settle into the occasion. And the experience of that was beautiful. I thank you very much.
2: Yeah, that's beautifully, beautifully put. And there's a whole, that's a whole teaching to itself that these things are available. They're there actually, they're part of our experience. And as we tune into them, we cultivate them, we strengthen them and we make them more available as as Diana pointed out. Thank you, Fred. Diana, anything to add? Okay, well, let's take maybe one or two more questions um, before we give you homework. No, just kidding. No homework. Um, you know what we'd say anyway. But let's let's uh, turn to Alana. Um,
7: thank you, everyone, for. Uh... Teachers, for what you've uh, provided so far. This has been a really uh, illuminating class. Um, I wondered if you could speak about equi- like equanimity in daily life and how we can... What's coming to mind is... You know, for example, you know, a difficult situation arises and we have the presence of mind to be able to respond in a way that's not um, reactive in a in a damaging way. Um, however, I've noticed for my own self, sometimes that might um, it might be overriding some other strong emotions or inclinations or states of mind, um, that sort of call into question whether it was really an act of equanimity, um, or whether it was uh, maybe pushing something away very subtly. Um, And so I'm wondering if you could speak to how we could work with refining that awareness.
2: Good question, really good question. Kim? Diana? Well,
3: um, I'll offer something and see if the others want to add. I think your question, first of all, was beautifully framed. There's a lot of awareness in the way you um, said it, because there is that question when something is arising that we know is reactive, fear or anger, for example. Um, and we find a way to, none, to, to not get sucked into that, there is a little question of whether we um, pushed it aside in a certain way or whether we were fully aware of it but not reacting to it. And so one of the things um, you asked how to deepen, you already have a fair amount of nuance there because we we don't want to be suppressing, but we also don't want to be acting out um, of these unskillful roots. So one way to refine is to... Be aware it might help to know that reactive emotions come with um a demand that they are important that's one of their qualities because that's that's part of the their self-consistency that's what keeps them sustained and so the anger comes with a lot of lawyers about why it's all righteous and justified and so forth and the fear comes with a lot of um uh justification that this really is dangerous and so um tuning into that quality of the um, unwholesome roots is really helpful to in being able to figure out um, whether or not we are in some way using aversion or if we're allowing them their full flowering and yet letting the energy uh, just pass through. You know, It's the transparency of that energy. It can pass through and we don't react to it, but we haven't suppressed it. And sometimes there is a little bit of discomfort in saying no to an unwholesome root because it has that demand it has that four-year-old quality to it of hey i'm important and to say actually no you're unskillful but i'm not suppressing you that's a subtle thing and so uh, maybe it just helps to know that they always have that little hook on them the way a small child does and so just to be aware of that hook will help you know whether or not you've gotten caught by it or not. That's what I'll add. Maybe others have more to say.
2: I can't add to that. That, that, uh, that was really nice. Yeah. Yep. That's the practice that, that careful watching what's going on, really noticing and inclining toward the, since you asked about inclining, I think earlier, inclining, inclining toward uh, wholesome, why don't we take one more question and then we'll close the uh, pasico?
1: Yeah, Kim's Kim's response um, kind of connects with what I was going to ask about um, really opening up or fully feeling, letting pass through a really intense emotional state, like of anger, hate hatred, rage, uh, through a process of grieving. And, um, yeah, I find, like, in my experience with this, I notice that if I'm uh, doing meditation practice and there's this unfolding of uh, one of these aspects of the grieving process, if I do concentration, like I focus on breathing, for example, It can suppress these uh, or avoid, or I don't know if this is the right way to think about it, but it can kind of divert my attention and I can focus on something else. And I don't start uh, sobbing or crying uh, or like breathing heavily or shaking. But if I uh, just kind of have a more open awareness and soften, then these really intense body states unfold, like shaking, crying, heavy breathing, things like this. And um, so in a process of breathing, if this is continuing day after day of these intense states, I ask myself, like, am I um, indulging in it or is this just something that eventually is going to exhaust itself? Or like, what's, is the concentration preferable because I am not feeding the like four year old uh, that's wanting to like keep being fed? or the hooks. So yeah, I'm a little bit confused about, is this skillful or unskillful or what to do?
2: That's a good question. And I want to say, first, I appreciate you sharing something that, um, you know, in this, this uh, container here, uh, that it feels safe enough to, to share the sorts of things that are really coming up for us. Um, and I think what I would say about that is um, just that, the the container that the meditation provides and the samadhi can provide for for that kind of intense uh, deeply felt emotion um, can also be you know sort of a, a safe place um and that the uh everything you describe i think you know can can fit in in the practice grieving takes a long time you know and it's complex and is accompanied by lots of many things as I'm sure others here know and appreciate and I think the practice um, on the whole can help integrate those experiences um, instead of sort of holding them away or pushing them away um, in very much the ways you've you've described so I think I would leave it that's that's all, all I would say about that I don't know if Diane or Kim have anything to add to to that.
0: Do you, do you have something you'd like to say? Okay. But one thing I wanted to maybe I'll just say quickly here is this is a practice. And so sometimes, you know, we will slip into having our emotions really just getting really big and getting away from us in a way that's not helpful. Maybe there'll be a time in which our emotions are getting expressed. Maybe there is crying, but it's a way that's helpful. So we don't want to um, undermine or pretend like we don't have a rich emotional life. That's part of the human experience. Maybe Kim was pointing a little bit to, um, is there a way in which they can be expressed but be helpful? And there's only one way to learn how to do this. And this is to discover all the ways that don't work. And the only way that we do that is we kind of like, you know, slip into, Oh, okay. That was some repression. Cause I now can feel it showing up in my body in another way, as well as we can, this idea of like oh, we could be thinking that we're uh, uh, cultivating equanimity, but then we discover that we're a little bit disconnected from everything. And we've like, Oh, we've slipped into disconnection, disinterest, um, so There's something that's not quite equanimity. And then we only learn that too by finding ourselves there again and again. So it point to kind of like the art of practice. And it's just like mindfulness, right? We learn mindfulness by discovering all the ways in which we're not mindful and what it feels like to not be mindful. So, and maybe I'll just add here, can we somehow bring a little bit of equanimity To all those times we discover we're not (laughs) equanimous. Like, of course it's going to happen. Of course we're going to feel like I don't know that things are a little bit um, slip into overwhelm or disconnection or all these things as we like practice and grow. So maybe that's my few cents there. I think now um, it's time to wrap up. So I'll just, um, unless I'm looking at you, Kim, if you have anything you'd like to add here or.
1: uh... Um,
3: I guess we had said that, um, although this is not through Sati Center or IMC, there is a a weekly sutta study group that I run. Um, It's technically through a different organization, but online (laughs) it really isn't so um, important and there's more and more people who are not from this area. So that's um, on Fridays at 11 a.m. And it's, um, if you want the Zoom link for that, it's probably easiest just to email me. I can put my email in the chat. Um, Let's see. Yeah, and so um, please go ahead. I'm just mentioning that if, uh, I don't have anything more to say so somebody else can go on.
2: I think we, given the time, we probably should close. I think I'll just say uh, the following, which is that uh, we—I I feel a great deal of gratitude for people for sharing what they've shared and, and joining us in this exploration, and also providing some teachings. I mean, uh, it's just a rich learning environment for the teachers, and to the extent people have shared uh, valuable things, uh, we—I think a lot's been a lot's been uh, taught by others. So I, I welcome. And I uh, and want to express gratitude for that. I want to mention that there is a way to, um, to express generosity for these offerings through the Sati Center or through IMC. And I uh, just want to let people know that that's available um, as, as, part of the, as part of the offering. And then I'd like to ask, and they're going to duke it out, Diana or Kim to um, dedicate the merit of our practice together over the last three days. Uh, and whoever, whichever one of them unmutes first. Oh, Diana, I saw it. I think it falls to Diana to dedicate now. Well, that's
0: very funny because I was going to say, oh, Kim, do you want to do it? But I had to unmute in order to say that. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll just start by saying, What a pleasure it is. What a pleasure it is to practice with you all, to see you all and to spend part of your Saturday with us. It's a beautiful thing, beautiful thing. And with a deep, deep bow to my co-teachers, Ying, David, Kim, and I, we're good friends. And it's such, what a great thing, right? To be offering the Dharma with your friends and to be meeting more and more friends all the time. It's just a fantastic thing. So may all the goodness that brought us to this class, that brought us to our practice, that supports our practice. The meditation we're doing, the studying we're doing, may all this goodness flow out from us, support us, fill us, and be for the benefit of all beings everywhere, without exception. Thank you.
2: Thank you. My
0: God, maybe I should use three times.
2: There we go. Thank you, Diana, for that. And why doesn't? If you feel the urge, feel free to unmute and say farewell. We hope, we expect, we'll see many of you again. Thanks for joining us, and. Um, Take care. Take care. Take care.
0: Take care. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you for these beautiful sharings.
2: Thank you. Bye, everyone.